Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Eyewitness News live from our studio here at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop at Adabrakai Nakra. My name is Zoe Abubeidu Adwan, and I'm here with Kweku Ediamansa. Coming up, National Cathedral Secretariat justifies the use of public funds for the construction of the monument for Christians in the country. Tonight, we'll bring you the detailed response from the Secretariat. Also coming up, Defense and Interior Committee of Parliament visits the Islamic Senior High School in Kumase on a fact-finding mission after students clashed with the police on Monday. Committee Chairman Kennedy Jepong is calling for the sacking of the Ashanti Regional Urban Roads Director. The school has written to Ashanti Regional Urban Roads Director since 2010. The last one was September 2021, and nothing has been done. People are dying. I think somebody should be fired from there. would also tell you the story of a teacher who says the police assaulted him, leading to problems with his sight, and later. The Electoral Commission is preparing to bring us a seer that is to create a new voters register using a Ghana card. Member of Parliament for Ningo Pram Pram, Sam Nate George, alleges the Electoral Commission is preparing to lay a constitutional instrument to create a new voters register using the Ghana card. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on these stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, economist Professor Peter Korte reiterates calls for strategic support for Ghana's agriculture and manufacturing sectors as part of a broader plan to help reduce inflation in the medium to long term. Ellen Dapa joins Sachs in the next 50 minutes for more in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on all our affiliates and around the globe on citynewsroom.com. In the Upper West region, we're on Tupani Radio 88.5 in Nadoli. Upper East region, Rikas 92.1 FM in Bongo Namo. Northern region, North Star Radio 92.1 in Tamale. Northeast region, Nobia FM 98.1 in Nalerigu. Western region, Beach 105.5 FM in Takrade, Ashanti region. Focus 94.3 FM, KNUSC Campus, Kumasi and Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. Volta region, Sala Radio 97.1 FM in Dabaland. Holy FM 98.5 in Aplao. Your comments are welcome via WhatsApp line 0549-986-996. The hashtag is City Newsroom. Tonight we'll begin with issues having to do with the National Cathedral. It has become um, a topical issue um, for some time now. Is- issues having to do with some monies being paid um, using state coffers and not going through parliamentary process. The member of parliament for North Tong, Samuel Kujitoa Blackwa, has um, been serializing um, a number of letters that have 
are purported to have been issued, um, some from the Lands Commission, some from Finance Ministry, um, to some, uh, for some monies to be released. Um, he also alleged that compensation has not been made for um, one of the persons who was affected by the demolition of um, his property. So tonight, the National Secretariat or the National Cathedral Secretariat has responded to some of these allegations, including whether it's a public um, or private project. Hansen Ajumain joins me with details from the National Cathedral Secretariat, and this is a seven-page statement. So we'll be going through um, that with you on Eyewitness News. Hansen, thanks for joining us on Eyewitness News. You're welcome, Zoe. All right, so what has the Secretariat um, been seeking to explain? Uh, this is a really lengthy one. Um, we'll be going through it, um, but what catches your attention? So the Secretariat um, is seeking to respond to about some some five issues that have come up as a result of uh, ongoing or recent conversations about the National Cathedral. Now, key amongst them is the nature of, of the cathedral. So, in this instance, the Secretariat is seeking to answer whether or not the National Cathedral is a private or a public uh, facility or project. And also, is seeking to answer the disbursement of funds from the state, whether they are legal or illegal. The Secretariat also is seeking to answer issues with respect to the status and membership of the trustees because some allegations has come out that one of the persons who earlier was a member of the um, Secretariat mm. had resigned and a lot of people were giving meaning and reasoning to it. Okay. So the Secretariat is seeking to clarify this and also is giving an update on the status of construction okay. as far as the, the, the cathedral is concerned and generally giving an understanding or an explanation of the financing and fundraising uh, strategies for the National Cathedral. And amongst this is an opportunity for, they used it as an opportunity to reaffirm in their view the, excellence, the essence of the cathedral mm. to the development of Ghana. Okay, so let's go through um, some of the things that they have mentioned. It says the National Cathedral, public or private. What does it say there? So, in this respect, and specifically recently, we've seen the sort of advocacy that the MP for Norton has been embarking on when he indicated that about some 25 million Ghana cities had been released to the Secretariat from the state uh, uh, with the approval of the Finance Ministry. And he's indicated that this was unlawful because one parliament didn't uh, get the approval mm. and two it was deception because in his words the president has said this was going to be a private um, project now in the words of the national cathedral secretariat they are saying that after the president um, announced the project on march 6 2017 and with the conversations that took place afterwards three main issues came out as rationale for the project with namely the gesture of thanksgiving, symbol of the Christian pres presence and contributions to the nation, and a personal pledge to God. And this is their words. Of these three reasons, the personal pledge came to be associated with the cathedral as a private project that needed to be developed without state support. 
for the avoidance of doubt, the National Cathedral is a national monument and thus a public, not private project. Legally, the National Cathedral of Ghana is a state-owned company limited by guarantee and was incorporated under the Companies Act 1963 at 179 on July 18, 2019. And to them, this brings to a closure the seemingly vexation issue a vexatious issue of whether the National Cathedral is a private or public initiative. The National Cathedral is a national monument, an asset, and not a private project. It is, however, being developed in partnership between the state and the church. So this answers the question as to whether the National Cathedral is a private project or not. Okay, so there's also the issue of disbursing of funds. Um, and I indicated earlier the North Tongue MP indicated that about 200 million cities has been disbursed so far. What is the response of the Secretariat? So the, the simple response from the, the Secretariat is that since, it is, since they've established that it's a partnership between the state and the church, that monies that have been made public to have been paid for the purposes of the cathedral is the state's own commitment to this project mm. so it goes to say that at the time of um of of of, of finalizing the funding uh, strategy for the cathedral the state as part of its commitment agreed to do a number of things that's the appointment of the architect and design team the land and its preparation setting up and equipping the secretariat and the seed money mm. and they are saying that the release of the seed money as the finance ministry indicated uh, in his recent, minister. the finance minister indicated in his recent interview, it's a practical response to the commitment made by the state to the National Cathedral Project, which the Minister of Finance informed Parliament and the nation in, the, in his budget preparation presentation in November 2018. Now, they go ahead to indicate that the seed money for the National Cathedral is the state's uh, responsibility and that following a procurement process approved by the public procurement authority and with the input of the attorney general a contract was developed and signed between the office of the president and said david ajayi and associates in august 2019 for full architectural and engineering services for the project it it encompassed the following services mm. architects structural engineers civil engineers envelope engineers, geotechnical engineers, mechanical engineers, all the way to quantity surveying, procurement, and project management. And according to the Cathedral Secretariat, payment to the consultants, Ajay Associates, were therefore based on the contract that was signed in 2019, and that these payments represented the fulfillment of the state's commitment in the appointment of architect of the... And this is separate from the seed money for the construction of the edifice. It goes ahead to say that following the signing of a letter of intent between the board of the National Cathedral and the contractors, negotiations for the release of part of the seed money promised by the state was concluded and the first tranche of the seed money, which is the CD equivalent of $25 million, representing 10% of the total cost of the project at the time, was released on November 25, 2020. Again, they, they then went ahead to in attempt to answer whether or not Parliament is is is, is aware mm. of this seed money, and they say that incidentally, 
the Minister for Chieftaincy and Religious Affairs, Honorable Ebenezer Kojokum, informed Parliament about the $25 million seed money from the government to the National Cathedral Project during his vetting in February 2021. Now, this first tranche of seed money was used for the mobilization, the design of the integration of a Bible museum and biblical gardens to the project and operational issues related to the domestic and international fundraising activities of the National Cathedral. The second tranche of the seed money of 25 million CDs was released in May 2022 to pay the contractors for work described in Section IV, which, were, which included the uh, works by the architect, the structural engineers, okay. the envelope engineers, and all of those people. It goes ahead to indicate that all the disbursements from the state to the National Cathedral therefore have been based on the framework for the state's participation in the project and the procurement of services using these funds have been done within legal procurement practices. It goes ahead to say that similarly, the establishment of positions at the presidency for the National Cathedral of Ghana is a practical response to the state's commitment to set up and equip the Secretariat of the National Cathedral. These positions are used to coordinate and mobilize for the project. These positions notwithstanding, the National Cathedral Secretary works to keep costs down by operating with a very thin staff. So they are saying that even with this seed money, um, the, the Secretariat has been operating with a, with, a, uh, with a thin staff to save money. Okay. Um, Hansen, I'll let you hold on there and we'll come back to um, one issue that was also um, in the public domain, the status and membership of the trustees and whether Pastor Mensah Otabel is part um, of um, the trustees or not. Let's speak to the member of parliament for Notong, Samuel Okujotua Blakwa, who has been actually bringing or leaking some of these information in the public domain. Good evening, sir. Thanks for joining us. I, I, have you seen the response from the National Cathedral Secretariat? Hi, good evening. I have seen the response and uh, indeed we will study it and uh, also provide a full response. Uh, in the hours ahead. Okay, so based on what you have seen so far, um, what can you say about, for instance, whether the cathedral is a public or private one? They clarify that this is a public project because, um, um, to read in their own words, for the avoidance of doubt, the National Cathedral is a national monument and thus a public, not private, private project. Legally, the National Cathedral of Ghana is a state-owned company limited by guarantee and was incorporated in the Companies Act. Your response? So, my dear sister, and good evening to you and all distinguished listeners across the globe. We have been calling for transparency. We've been calling for a full disclosure right from the outset. If you go through the debate in Parliament, when the finance minister told us from the uh, 15th of November 2018 that this will be a partnership uh, when they shifted. And he presented it as a proposal from the president, that the president is now shifting, uh, proposing a partnership between the state and the church. We asked in parliament, provide information. What is the nature of this partnership? Who is going to bear the cost of running the secretariat? The cost of construction, what is the sharing formula in this partnership arrangement? Because remember that 
key members of the board of trustees, which was set up as a private entity, as you recall, have been very clear right from the outset that this project, the briefing they have from the president, they are going to construct it. When I say they, the church, and that the state was only going to provide land. You can Google Reverend Dr. Puni Frempong on National Cathedral or the Archbishop Duncan Williams on the National Cathedral. All of them uh, were clear from the outset that this is not going to burden the taxpayer. Indeed, the Archbishop Duncan Williams said that he is surprised that Ghanaians are expressing concern about building a cathedral at this time uh, because they are not going to use the people's money. So this new uh, information is what they should have put out right from the beginning. Remember that the president in announcing this National Cathedral Project said that it was a personal pledge to God that he had told the Almighty that if he blesses him with the presidency, he will put up this National Cathedral. So you see, all of this, you know, uh, haziness, confusion, and, and lack of candor came from the president, the briefing that he gave the board of trustees, and the communication that they put out there. So this is the first time. Can you believe that? That after more than 200 million Ghana cities of taxpayers' money has been unconstitutionally taken out of the consolidated fund in flagrant violation of Article 178. This is the first time that we are being told that this is an entirely state project mm. to be funded by the Ghanaian taxpayer. And you are in the media. If I'm saying anything that you know is, is, is inaccurate or is, is strange to you, you can take me on. I mean, this is the first time that we are hearing you know, that this is now a fully state-owned project. It's news. It's breaking news. All right. Did the Minister of Chieftaincy or for Chieftaincy and Religious Affairs um, come to Parliament and informed Parliament about the $25 million seed money that the government was going to, to use for the cathedral? Again, let's get the sequencing and let's get the facts right. The chieftaincy minister nominee, he was a nominee. Remember that when the seed capital was was released, mm-hmm. the first release, it was done on 29th October. The finance minister raised the warrant 29th October 2020. 29th October 2020, the chieftaincy minister was the Honorable Jamesi not Kojokum. So Kojokum had come for vetting, having now been nominated as chieftaincy minister for the second term of President Akufuado. Mind you, by that time, the $25 million, which worked up to 142.7 million Ghana cities, had been released in 2020, before the elections, few weeks to the elections. And if you look at the warrant, they said it was for planned activities for the National Secretary, whatever planned activity means. So Kojokum comes for vetting, and then we ask him that so far, what has been the contribution? Because we only heard about a partnership with two government on, if you read the hazard of 28 November 20, 20, 2018, 
we made clear that government must clarify this partnership. There is no line item in the budget. There is no specific allocation for National Cathedral. And that is not how budget the, the, the budgets are approved. That is not what Article 178 of the 1992 Constitution uh, uh, stipulates. Then Kojokum, in his response, says that he has been informed as he was preparing for vetting that some $25 million has been spent so far as seed money. That was the first time we had a figure. That is not how uh, uh, Parliament approves money. This was after they have unconstitutionally withdrawn the money, illegally spent it. Then a, a, a new chief, chieftaincy minister nominee at his vetting. Budgets are not approved at vetting. At his vetting, sometime in February or March 2021, after this colossal sum of money, 142.7 million Ghanaians, that was the first, the first, the first tranche. That cannot be tantamount to parliamentary approval. So you see the dishonesty, the 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 lack of sincerity, the ungodly opacity that has attended this project is 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 sickening. It's so unchristian. Look, my dear sister. How do they also explain all the other withdrawals? So let, let, let me million, help you. 32, 32 million Ghana cities mm, in withdrawn in 2021. In 2022, another 25 million Ghana cities. Okay, so they explain... I mean... <laughs> Please, they explain look. that the 25 yeah. million cities you talk about, they say that is the second tranche of the seed money. Of the, um, of the seed money, that's the $25 million. And it was released just last month to pay the contractors. And you realize that you, you release um, um, some uh, statements um, of money being released for the contractors. So they explain that that is the second tranche of the seed money of $25 million that they spoke about. My dear sister, I will encourage you to go back to the leaks that we have put out. The documents we intercepted are very clear in language. There is no ambiguity at all. If you read the first one, the 29th October 2020 warrant signed by the Finance Minister Ken Oforiata instructing the controller and accountant general to release $25 million. That's clear. $25 million. And the exchange rate at the time, one is to 5.1, 142.7 million Ghana cities was the total sum. Then when you read the second release of 25 million Ghana cities, look at the second paragraph. It says additional seed money. Additional. It didn't say part of the 29th October release. It says additional. So all of these withdrawals are unconstitutional. They sin against Article 178 of the 1992 Constitution. There's no parliamentary approval. I was expecting this statement to probably say that uh, some of us were probably not paying attention in Parliament that on this date, specifically, they came to Parliament and they, they asked for this particular amount 
I've been going through the entire seven-page statement. I haven't seen any figures. That seed money, <laughs> how much of seed money has the Ghanaian parliament approved? That's a fundamental question. So how will you describe this statement issued? Ah, clearly an afterthought um, doesn't help matters. It's, uh, it's lacking in sincerity. It has an integrity deficit. I mean, look at what they say about uh, the venerable Mensa Otabel. I mean, see, see what they say. Okay, so we are you coming know? to that. Have, have you read that portion? Um, otherwise, um, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would, I would yeah. love to read that um, for our listeners who may have not read this particular one. So just give me just a minute. I'll let my colleague no Hansen, you can re- you can read it Hansen Ajuman go through that. So Hansen, what has the Secretariat been saying about the status and membership of the trustees? The Secretariat is saying that on January 13, 2017, the President inaugurated a 13-member board of trustees made up of leading clergy in the country. This, this uh, clergy was appointed not as institutional representatives of church de- denominations, but rather as individuals with influence and visibility in the various church denominations. The National Cathedral was registered as a company limited by a guarantee to be used as an instrument for the construction and management of the National Cathedral. This company was legally registered on 18 July 2019. The Board of Trustees had to be registered as a director of the company. A member of the trustee, Dr. Mentor Otabel, the general overseer, of the International Central Gospel Church had indicated that he couldn't give the needed attention to the project so didn't register. So Dr. Mensa Utabel did not resign from the board as been alleged, but excused himself at the point of registration of the directors in July 2019. For the avoidance of all doubt, Dr. Utabel has not been a member of the Board of Trustees since July 2019. Dr. Mesa Otabel, nonetheless, remains actively interested in the project and continues to share his views on strategy with the Secretariat. The continuous use of his name and pictures on the website and publication was an administrative lapse by the Secretariat. So they say here that you had it wrong. Um, he was not a member of the Board of Trustees and he did not resign. Mr. Ablakwa. <laughs> Uh, very laughable, isn't it? Um, so um, you know that he's not on the board. He's as, he's as, he's excused himself, and yet you keep him on your website actively as a member of the board of trustees. And all the engagements they had all over the world, the launch, the fundraising, is always mentioned and and and, and highlighted. And not until I exposed the deception. You see, but he's mentioned because they they say or they claim that he is actively interested in the project and continues to share his views on strategy no, with the secretariat. No. When you to be to be actively interested in something, there are so many Christians, so many of us. We in the media, what we are doing now, we are showing active interest. It doesn't make us members of the board of trustees. It doesn't. That is why they themselves admit that it was an administrative lapse. Really? An administrative lapse for all these months until we had to point it out and then under the cover of darkness, even Nicodemus will be will be will be will be, will be you 
you know, impressed with, with the skills that they exhibited overnight. Mm-hmm. Nicodemusly removing his name. They have not been fair to Pastor Mensah Utabu. They owe him an apology. And you see, we expect, this is a board I hold in high esteem. This is related to a project we are doing in the name of the Lord. We must show high standards. I was expecting a sincere apology that, look, um, you've, you've, you've really exposed us. Um, um, there, was, there, was, there was an attempt to uh, clearly use the name of the, of, the, of the pastor and others to show up, you know, the credibility and the, you know, image and acceptance of this project. Uh, it's, 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 we've clearly been exposed. We are sorry. Um, we, 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 are, we are taking, we've taken down the name and moving forward, we will be more sincere, more candid, more truthful, you know, with the general public. That's, that's, that's how I thought we'll have approached this. But to say that, you know, this is, this never really been part of the board of trustees, uh, but it's an administrative lapse. I mean, please, you you see the 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 the, the attempt to just engage in a cover up. When you are exposed for wrongdoing, you just own up. You apologize. We are all fallible. Nobody is perfect, and then we can all, you know, forgive each other and move on. That's what I thought. They, 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 they will have done. You see, there's this, this, this project. If there's any project in this country that must command a lot of purity, a lot of holiness, a lot of above-board conduct, conduct that is pure, that is legal, that is constitutional, you know, that is of a good report, it should be this project. But every turn of the way, Look, all of this controversy that has attended upon this project is because government has not set out in a very sincere, in a very truthful, in a very transparent manner. You start by telling us there is a personal pledge to God. Then you, you, you brief the clergy, tell them that, look, you are going to build it. We only bring in land. Then later on, you say seed money. Okay, how much is that seed money? You refuse to tell us. You don't bring any allocation to parliament. Then... You withdraw huge sums of money. Now, as we speak, the colossal 200 million Ghana cities that has been withdrawn from the the, the, the consolidated fund. And remember, we are still serializing. Uh, there is more we have to come, you know, uh, in the days ahead. I'll just we about asking that, but you've answered we, we that question. Not, we do not mm. see. We do not see mm-hmm, where the money has gone. But they you have explained them, where see, the money has you see gone, them, Mr. You see, them confirming, you see them confirming that the project has stalled for lack of payment. Hmm? The contractors are not being paid. Now, the people whose properties you demolished, you are also not compensating them. But they this said week, they have paid the week. contractors. The second tranche of the seed money of 25 million CDs was paid to the contractors just last month. Last month? Yes, May 2022. Did you see the March 14, 2022 letter we put out from Ribade Company Limited? I did. Terminating the appointment of their staff for lack of uh, uh, payment from government and from the... That was in uh, March. The, the National Cathedral Secretary. And they released yeah. the money in May. So yeah. um, I, I think it settles it, no? 
They were released in March. The money was paid in May. That's 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 twenty five. That's the the twenty five million Ghana cities. Uh and and then the hundred and forty two point seven million Ghana cities. Where did that one go? The twenty ninth October release. They do not they do not tell us what did they use that money for. The letters just said planned activities, and you see that is why in every democracy, when you are carrying out public projects, you see transparency, accountability, so that the parliamentarians will know, will see the scope of work, will see what must be done at every period in time. We can track, we can monitor, we can all follow up, and there will be total accountability. But in this particular case, Parliament has been left out, the Constitution has been violated, none of the 275 MPs has has any clue at all about what this project is about, how much seed money is going into this project. And look, let's even stop talking about seed money. Clearly from what the National Cathedral Secretary has said this this evening. <laughs> Probably, the, the the only thing, the only good thing about this statement is that it exposes the initial, you know, dishonesty that this was some private pledge. Clearly, this is a project we are going to fund. The Ghanaian taxpayer is going to fund. They are telling us this evening today that that three hundred and fifty million dollars, and only God knows if it will stay there, because a few months ago it was hundred million dollars, went to two hundred million dollars. We were told $250 million. Now it's $350 million. Only God knows how long it will stay at $350 million. The only good thing about this statement is that now we know that we are going to really be footing the bill. This is our project. It's a government of Ghana project. And uh, this business of seed money, we just have to take it out of our minds. It's part of the deception. It's not about seed money anymore. It's a government of Ghana project. We just have to prepare to fund it. Okay. And that is why we so are you satisfied with that response? And at what point will you be okay with everything that's been done by the National Cathedral Secretariat? So, so you, see, we, you see, we need a national debate now. This is a democracy. This is not some theocracy or autocracy or some dictatorship. The Ghanaian people must decide. The current state of our economy, the harsh economic reality, Look at where inflation is. Look at where youth unemployment is. Look at all the government obligations that government cannot take care of, from NAPCO to national service to school feeding to textbooks for our students. We must ask ourselves, do we have the funds to do this now? And I commend the Christian Council, Dr. Fayose and others, who are saying that, look, this cannot be our priority or priorities now. I am aligned with them. Look, if you look at all the other cathedrals across the world, they took their time so mm. they could also take care of other pressing issues of those uh, periods, those material times. Okay. Take the Washington National Cathedral. It took the Americans 82 years. You go to Germany, the Cologne Cathedral took them 74 years. You go to UK, the St. Paul's Cathedral in London, 35 years. Go to France, the Notre Dame Cathedral, the first phase, it took them 26 years. Go to Milan, the Milan Cathedral in Italy. 579 years. Mm. They all took their time. Why is it that in Ghana, President Akufuado, the finance minister, they are still talking about 
a completion period by 2024. And so we are seeing all of these, you know, surreptitious, unconstitutional withdrawals uh, of mm. money from the consolidated fund. And we are not even sure that the money mm. is going into, mm. into the project. All right. Thank you so much for your time this evening, Mr. Samuel Okujitua Blakwa. You're welcome. So that was the Member of Parliament um, for North Tong, Samuel Kujitua Blakwa, who has been on this case of the National um, Cathedral for a while now. Um, we'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll wrap up what the Secretariat has been saying and also speak to the Member of Parliament for Ningo Pram Pram, Sam Nate George, who is alleging that the Electoral Commission is preparing to lay a constitutional instrument to create a new voters' register using the Ghana card. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back. This is 97.3 CTFM. It's Eyewitness News. We'll quickly wrap up um, what the National Secretariat has been um, saying with response to some issues of the National Cathedral. Hans Najiman is here. He will wrap up in one minute and then I'll speak to the Member of Parliament for Ningo Pram Pram, Sam Nate George, on some allegations he's made against the Electoral Commission. Hansen, so what is outstanding in um, the rest of the statement that we haven't read? So for the cath- cath- uh, for the Secretariat, uh, for anybody to understand the level of work that has been done at the site, then one needs to understand the sort of infrastructure they are putting up, even though work has started. They said that the cathedral includes seven levels, two basement levels and five upper levels, making it the highest civic building in Accra, with a height of about 50 meters, and they compare this to job 600, uh, which they say is 45 uh, meters. And then the works that have been executed on the site include the um, uh, the clearing of an area of about 700,000 square meter, and also on the issue of the funding, they say that the funding strategy is mass. They, they are going to have a mass mobilization strategy, church mobilization, private strategy and also the international fundraising strategy. And within the period of July 4 to July 10 will be the uh, National Cathedral Week, mm. which will be launched by the Board of Trustees at a press conference Next on week. June 27, 2022, which will be there. All right. Thank you very much. And that was Hansen Adjiman giving us um, details of... Um, a release from the National Cathedral Secretary. Let's now move to Parliament and speak to the MP for Ningo Pram Pram, Samnate George. Now, he um, is alleging that the Electoral Commission is preparing to lay a constitutional instrument in Parliament to create a new voters' register on the basis of the Ghana card. Good evening, um, Honourable. Why is this a problem for you? Well, a very good evening to your listeners. Um, this morning in parliament i raised the issue it goes beyond just the the electoral commission it has to do with the national communications authority the bank of ghana and then the electoral commission so i made a a request that parliament should summon the ministers with supervisory authority over those uh, agencies and let let them appear before parliament because the NIA is supposed to be the statutory body by LI-2111 that would issue the Ghana card. Now, the Ghana card 
is supposed to be used for a number of uh, activities or government transactions, about 13 or so of them, one of which is for the purposes of voting, another is for the purposes of SIM registration, another is for the opening of bank accounts and all of that. Now we are seeing a misinterpretation of a specific legislation, and students of law would agree with me that when there is specific legislation from parliament, it cannot be misconstrued to be an omnibus legislation. So when you have a legislation, an LI, like LI-2111, which is specifically for the National Identity Register, you can begin to use that LI as, an, as a law for all kinds of uh, uh, activities of state. You are seeing the NCA issue a June 31st deadline or an end of month, 1st July deadline for registration of SIM cards. You're seeing the Bank of Ghana issuing a 1st of July deadline for access to your own money, your own bank account. And now you are, we are, we've heard and seen a draft constitutional instrument emanating from the Electoral Commission that is going to compile a new voters register for the 2024 election where that the, the only card that will be used for the creation of that register will be the Ghana card. So, for example, I am a sitting member of parliament. I have my name on the electoral roll as a speaker. I, was, I wouldn't have been qualified to, to, to contest. I'm a registered voter. But if they go ahead to compile a new voter's card, a, a new voter's register today on the basis of the Ghana card, which I do not have one as we speak, it means that I would not even be qualified to contest or to vote. I mean, this is the biggest affront to our democracy. And the, the majority leader, who is government, leader of government business, agreed with me on the floor that there are really many problematic issues with the issuance of the National Identity Card. There are persons who have applied for this card as far back as 2018. Persons who have spent money they don't have traveling to district offices and traveling to Accra to have problems that were created by the NIA. For example, someone goes to register and he gets his card. He gets his card and the name on the card is his name, but the picture is not his name. Or the picture is his name and the name is not his name. He goes to the district office and he's told that he has to do another registration. He goes through another registration and then the new card is blocked as a double registration. He's asked to come to Accra. These persons have traveled to Accra several times and the matters have not been resolved. Even the majority leader, Honorable Oseche Mensambonsu, who registered over a year ago, yesterday he had to personally go to the NIA office to get his card. Okay. I mean, if it had to take him personally going there as a minister of state, a leader of government business, for him to finally get a card yesterday after over a year, imagine what the ordinary guy or ordinary Ghanaian in my constituency who has gone there and for the past three months, the NIA office is unable to even register people or produce cards. How then do you want to disenfranchise such people okay. and say you are blocking their SIM cards on the 1st of July, you are depriving them access to their own money in their bank accounts on the 1st of July, and you intend to deprive them of exercising a democratic franchise okay, on so the 7th of January 2024, uh, 7th of December 2024. I mean, how? So the issue now is with the deadlines attached to these services that are being rendered. The issues are two-pronged. The deadlines attached, and secondly, the fact that it will be the biggest affront to our democratic franchise if we allow the Electoral Commission to proceed with a CI to Parliament using only the Ghana card. 
as the basis for a new voters register. At a point in time when over over half of eligible Ghanaians have still not received their Ghana card. The NIA will put out all kinds of statistics and tell you they printed 15 million cards and all of that. Ask them how many of those cards have gotten into the hands of the Ghanaians themselves. All right. So, um, this... Uh... Zoe, 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 let me ask you a simple question. Uh, so that our listeners understand. Do you have your Ghana card? I do. All right. How, how easy was it for you to get your, your Ghana card? Um, I think I went through the process um, within a few minutes, and I was called to pick it up. You, you may be part of the lucky few. I'm sure you have friends and colleagues in City FM who have gone through the process and have still not received their card. That's right. And so if those persons today, we sit back and say that they can no longer use their mobile phones, and some of these are reporters who file their news stories by way of their mobile phones, how then would City FM find justification for paying them a salary if they cannot file their stories from the 1st of July? When it is no fault of theirs, they have gone through the processes. But the NIA's own inefficiency has, has made it impossible for them to get a card. How do you blame them for not having a, SIM, a, a, a Ghana card to register a SIM, a SIM card? Mm. One, the, the poor businessman, or ordinary businessman who is eking out and living, and inflation is wiping off his, his, his profit, the little money he has, again, you are going to block his, his capital in the bank because the NIA has failed to give him a card even though he has registered. Now, the most painful part is that when those Ghanaians who are suffering the brunt of this government's maladministration decide that they want to vote against this government on the 7th of December 2024, this government is keen. When they say they want to break the aid, this is the illegal means by which they want to break the aid. In connivance with the Electoral Commission, twisting a law, an ally from Parliament, to deprive majority of Ghanaians the franchise from being able to vote. And this is a systematic plan. The NIA is printing over 300 cards a day in two regions of the country. In other regions of the country, they have set a 15 card a day. 15 cards a day quota. But, but they haven't indicated... Call your correspondence in the Upper East Region, Upper West Region, and in constituencies that are have NDC MPs in the Greater Akka region, Ningo Pram Pram. Ask your people, how, let your people go and ask at the NIA office how many cards they are printing a day. 15 cards a day. When you complain, they increase it to 30 cards a day. But you go to, to, to NIA offices in the Ashanti region and Eastern region, they are printing over 300 cards a day. Okay. And so how, how you can then tell me we would have a voter's register that would be credible in this country? On the basis of a Ghana card, that majority of legible Ghanaian voters have been deprived of a bit of imagination. So it's yet to be laid, right? Well, the draft CI has come to Parliament. Okay. The draft has come. Parliamentarians have started working on it. And in that draft is contained that the vote Ghana card will be the sole card. And that's why we have seven notices. That we will not countenance the kinds of games that President Akufuado in connivance with Jean Mensah and the Electoral Commission intend to play with our democracy. This democracy is bigger than them. But Ghanaians still have the opportunity to register for the, for the Ghana card. So even when it's open, registration um, for the new voters register is open. Those who don't have their Ghana cards can still go for it, no? Zoe, you are, you are, you are engaging in conjecture and blind hope. Hope and optimism that should not, you shouldn't have under this Akufuado administration. 
an administration that has failed to deliver cards to people for four years, people who registered in 2018, we are in 2022, have not received their cards. And you have hope that this administration will give them their cards before 2024. Your hope is, is, is quite big. All right, before you go, um, the minister's concerned. How soon are they coming to brief um, Parliament with regards to, especially the July 1 deadline that has been set for um, well, 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 cards? The, the leader of government business did not give us a timeline, but this is a matter that will not end. I mean, when I hear the matter on the floor, several members of Parliament, including the minority leader, Harold Idris, rose and spoke about the same matter because of the complaints they get they are getting from their constituents. And so it's a, it's a great matter of great in, in importance. And I believe that next week, with the speaker sitting in the chair, we will continue to raise this issue with his deputy sitting in the chair. We will continue to raise this issue on a daily basis and compel the ministers responsible, the minister for interior, the minister for communication, the minister for finance, and the electoral commission itself to appear before the House and the NIA. The NIA has to come and explain. For almost three weeks, there are no cards in many of the NIA offices. So people go there from morning till evening and lose working hours and go and sit there, and there are no cards to print. So how then do you use that, 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 that such a problematic card as the sole basis? And the argument we are making that is that even the legal basis for it is wrong. There is a specific law for conducting elections and for putting together voter rolls. That law is not LI-2111. There is a specific law for opening a bank account and regulating the activities of commercial banks in Ghana. That law is not LI-2111. There is a specific law for registration of SIM cards in Ghana. That law is LI-2006, not LI-2111. So how do they keep... In misinterpreting LI2111 for parochial partisan interest. I just, can't, I just can't understand it. Thank you very much, Honorable. We'll be looking um, out for more of this as it develops in Parliament and see what will be done by their respective ministers. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So that was Sam Nate George. Sam Nate George, he's the Member of Parliament for Ningo Pram Pram. Quick, will bring us some other stories and then. We'll bring you the latest in the world of business. On Point Blank, um, we'll be going to Kumase and we'll bring you the latest update um, from the Defense and Interior Committee of Parliament visiting the Islamic Senior High School um, um, in Kumase on a fact-finding mission. The committee chairman, Kennedy Ejepong, is calling for the sacking of the Ashanti Regional Urban Roads Director. So, Kweku will bring us some other stories. And in other stories, the Ghana Private Road Transport Union, GPRT, says it will not proceed to court over the interdiction of its central regional chairman, Alaji Ate. The central regional chairman is alleged to have embezzled over 400,000 Ghana cities. The union says Alaji Ate has already proceeded to court over the matter. Hence, there's no need to also take legal action. The Industrial Relations Officer of GPRTU, Abasi Moro, has been speaking to City News on the matter. So at the first meeting there was some fact which came up at the first meeting which led to the interdiction of uh, Central Regional Chairman to make sure they dive very well into the case. At one of the next meetings the report was presented and they found out that most of the allegations level against the then Central Regional Chairman fall foul to most of the allegations that was leveled against him. Uh, currently the 
national secretariat has appointed the regional vice chairman to act in the capacity of the regional acting chairman. That these are some of our constitutional requirements. So that is what is happening now. In any, in any case, I don't think we should test it because he has gone to court. So I think we should leave it here for the court also to decide. So you have that industrial relations officer of the GPRTU, Abbas Imoro. Now workers under the Cocoa Rehabilitation Program of the Cocoa Health and Extension Division are lamenting unpaid salaries by the employer, the Ghana Cocoa Board. The workers under the program, numbering over 1,000, are deployed to cocoa farms to treat cocoa-related diseases. City News sources reveal that workers under the program are sometimes owed three to four months' salaries. Speaking to City News on anonymity, a worker under the program says productivity has been impacted negatively following the month-old salary in areas. Sometimes you've been, they, they can owe us to three months, four months, uh, but for now, as I speak, they owe us uh, just a month. Those are the, the, the delay. The, 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 the salary don't come as often as it should be. The work is not that it's a field work. And we move, we, we transport ourselves by ourselves. And the transport, everything is from the uh, wages that they give to us, the salary that they give. If they don't pay us, it's a problem transporting ourselves to work. Yeah, we have our district manager. We've been communicating to them. They know they know the problem. They know they know our problem. We've been communicating to our regional managers and so nothing has been done about that. The 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 work is hard and we need the money without the small wages that they give us. You know, recently they increased transport and all those things. There's not been any increment in the salary. But the little that we expect to get to do the job too not coming and it's a problem we want them to at least just at the end of the month give the money to us so you have there a worker under the Cocoa Rehabilitation Program of the Cocoa Health and Extension Division speaking to City News on condition of anonymity Eyewitness News be there as it happens Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ellen Dapa. Let's settle for the details now. Economics professor and the director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, Professor Peter Corti, has once again called for strategic support for Ghana's agriculture and manufacturing sectors as part of a broader strategy by managers of the economy to help reduce food prices in the medium to long term. He made the remarks as part of the 8th edition of the APSA UPSA Law School Quarterly Banking Roundtable on the topic Monetary Policy, Central Bank Leadership and the Stability of the City. According to Professor Korte, support for the real sectors of the economy will complement the efforts being made by the Bank of Ghana to control inflation effectively. 
So it's not just about providing fertilizers. Yes, we need fertilizers. And I've seen government even putting in the, the necessary structures to set up fertilizer factory, for instance, in the country to um, avert the shortfall. But we need to go beyond just fertilizers. Irrigation is quite key. If you look at Okina Faso, for instance, they have gone very deep into irrigation. That is why we import so much tomato and other things from Okina rather than growing locally. These are our supply side factors. Then, as I mentioned about the value chain storage, oftentimes when the rains are good we record bumper harvest we saw in the case of plantain they were virtually rotten because we didn't have proper storage processing uh, facilities to store some of this so this should teach us a lesson what we are going through now will teach us a lesson to invest more in terms of storage in terms of college and, and, and many many other things so fiscal policy is important we've seen some fiscal measures in the budget statement but what i would like to see is more support towards agriculture and manufacturing i, I think where we find our tells us the need to enhance whatever support we have for the real sector. Professor Peter Korte is the director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research. Now, as part of efforts to address the unemployment situation in the country, MTN Ghana has launched this year's 21 Days of Yellow Care initiative. The MTN's 21 Days of Yellow Care initiative is an annual staff volunteering program that gives MTN staff an opportunity to volunteer their service by working in communities across all the 16 regions to empower the youth and the disabled. Speaking in an interview with City Business News on the sidelines of the ceremony, Education Portfolio Advisor for MTN Ghana Foundation Ebenezer Tetbe noted that this year's 21 Days of Yellow Care will focus on empowering communities to drive economic recovery with a strong focus on capacity building. So the 21 Days of Yellow Care is an employee volunteer uh, program instituted by MTN Group uh, among all the 21 operating, 22 operating countries. Um, we want to, our employees to go out there to implement uh, socially impacting projects. Every June this is done, but then um, it was halted for two years because of the COVID, and so we are starting this year. And this year it's coming under the theme um, empowering our communities. So it is more um, a program that we are being asked as employees to go out and help people out of the um, COVID. I mean, kind of economic recovery programs after the COVID. So we are supposed to come up with activities that can can further improve the lives of people who have been devastated, you know, impacted greatly by this um, COVID pandemic. We, it's more about youth and unemployment uh, because our subregion has been noted as a, a hub for youth unemployment. So. Um, we've come up with initiatives that will help target the youth as well. So the first one is a, what we term as a youth um, upskill program. And we are targeting unemployed uh, graduates. That was the Education Portfolio Advisor for MTN Ghana Foundation, Ebenezer Tetbe. Now, as part of efforts to provide dedicated internet service for Ghanaian businesses, Ghana's first 4G LTE company, Surfline Communications Limited, has introduced the Surfline Internet Business Solutions. This collection of services is designed to provide business continuity, digital protection, and disaster recovery solutions for businesses. Isaac Amar 
Oma is the commercial director of Surfline Communications Limited and he has been speaking to City Business News about the new service. Surfline Internet Business Solutions. Um, it's just uh, we get into that stage in our life as a business where we now want to focus on the business community. So we've been around since 2014 and uh, being the first um, LTE company in Ghana, uh, we think it wise that we should focus on the high-value segment, businesses, um, large corporates, SMEs, and more importantly, having operated as a pure data connectivity company, um, we have transitioned into a place where we're now offering solutions to businesses. Uh, we are going beyond the data that we offer to offering packages that help businesses to protect themselves, um, help them to insulate themselves from all the um, cyber attacks and all the security issues around, and let them focus on delivering their core um, value um, as far as their profitabilities are, are, are concerned. So SIPS is actually a solution, a one-stop uh, solution that makes businesses, you know, ensure their continuity, ensure that they actually stay in business. You heard the commercial director of Surfline Communications Limited, Isaac Amma. Now, as part of efforts to increase the patronage of Made in Ghana products, City FM and City TV has launched Ghana's biggest trade fair and exhibition to enable small and medium-scale enterprises showcase indigenous products and services. The two-day expo dubbed This is Ghana Exhibition is expected to attract about 100 exhibitors and thousands of patrons. It is scheduled for August 27th to 28th of this year at the forecourt of the Accra Metropolitan Assembly. Here is the Managing Director of City FM and City TV, Samuel Atamensa, explaining the rationale behind the trade exhibition. So this is Ghana. Yeah. We are talking about <coughs> automobile, mm. um, um, that's assembly. manufacturing yes, or assembling. assembly. Yeah. automobile accessories, mm -hmm. automobile services, wow. um, you know, there are people who can remake a whole vehicle mm. that's broken down into something else, wow. you know. Yeah. And these are the innovations that we are talking about. Mm. But there's no platform to showcase them. Yeah. Policymakers have not championed the leadership along those lines. Yeah. So in our small corner, we are saying that why don't we build a platform, mm. let them come together and use our medium to promote them mm. for people to see. Okay. If we are doing this consistently over a period of time, mm. our aim is to now get our dependence on foreign products yeah. reduced, reduced. Okay. so that people will know that it can be done in mm. Ghana. Mm. The wide range of services that are crafted, processed, mm. and delivered in Ghana, we invite all of them to be part of this. Samo Atamensa is the managing director of City FM and City TV, bringing an end to City Business News on Eyewitness News, which was brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ellen Dapa. Up next is Points Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
You will come back to Iowa Tennessee News on 97.3 CTFM. It's time for the Point Blank segment. We're taking you to the Ashanti region, um, where on Monday at the Islamic Senior High School at Abrapur in Kumasi, there were some disturbances. Students were protesting the frequent deaths um, or knockdowns, pedestrian knockdowns, following the inability of the government or urban rules to listen to them to fix speed ramps. The situation resulted in a scuffle and students clashed with the police. The police, we understand, sprayed tear gas. Some students were hospitalized. All students, we understand, um, have been um, discharged from the hospital. But today we are learning of fresh um, reports or accounts of a teacher giving how he was assaulted by the police. We're speaking to Ashanti Regional Correspondent Hafiz Tijani um, to tell us more, including the visit by the members of Parliament's Defence and Interior Committee. The committee chairman, um, Kennedy Ejipong, made some remarks and we'll be hearing exactly what he had to say about this matter. <music> Hafiz, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Good evening, Zoe. So what's the latest with regards to this issue at the Islamic um, senior high school in Kumasi. Yesterday, we know that officials of the police service um, were there to um, commence their investigation into the incident. But will you say that based on the uh, visit by the members of Parliament's Defence Interior Committee, they found out new things? Exactly. They were shocked about the revelations by some of the students, injured students who have been discharged from the hospital. Currently, the students have been given have been given some psychosocial support, and they are going through some counselling. And the committee, after meeting management of the uh, the school and also the student body to address them, they went further to meet these injured students. And they have been speaking to them one by one, and some of the revelations, some of the students were given out, uh, were very shocking to the uh, committee, especially the chairman of the committee, who uh, was not so happy about the treatment meted out to these students, especially the females. These are students uh, of which you have majority being females, and one of the females, uh, female students, actually said that she was hit with the bat uh, of the gun by the police officers, and she's even finding it difficult now to breathe. One other female student narrated how she's feeling pains in her chest. And so uh, the, the, the students were giving accounts. One other student even had bandage on his head due to the injuries he suffered. And the committee's chairman proceeded to request for medical forms of these students 
so that they can include it in their uh, fact-finding mission to be able to submit reports to the Speaker of Parliament who ordered them to embark on this mission. But before then, we spoke to one of the teachers, the English teacher of the school, one Kofi Enchi, who also narrated how he was manhandled allegedly by the police officers who used their bats, the bats of the gun to hit him. And he is now complaining about his sight. He, uh, he has to be assisted, actually, to be able to walk because of the damage he says he is suffering regarding his sight. So uh, it, it was all of shock for members of the committee mm. to hear the kind of treatment uh, meted out to students and also the teacher. Okay, so let's listen to this teacher. He's an English teacher of the school, right? Exactly, Zoe. Okay, so this is Kofi Entry. He recounted um, to journalists how police officers used the bat of their guns on him. It was, pre uh, it was a pre-incident that I was speaking with somebody. That I told them that, oh, don't nobody wish for demonstration, but it's like they have a justifiable cause. So maybe that was the reason why it triggered the policeman to come and tell me, have I seen what my students are causing? And he landed slaps on me, fell on the ground, he used the, the, his uh, gun on me. <sighs> now it's a bit okay. But if I want to see you, I have to remove one side of the eye and... No, it's okay. He says when the bandages are removed, I will be able to see. When we were even going to the police, I was telling them that I am severely wounded because of the bruise, but they never took me serious. Somebody uses slaps on you, you should be in my shoes. And the gun pointing, the, uh, using the gun on you, you should, you should. Oh, why should you? You should understand my situation. Uh, some people wanted to even come to my rescue, and they were also arrested. I remember Yaya and Ko were even part of me when we went to the police station. One inspector obey is who told them that they should land the bruises on me. That's what I can't remember. So, Hafiz, that was Kofi Entry, um, who is an English teacher at the Islamic Senior High School. They're recounting what happened to him on Monday. Now, describe, um, I mean, his mood when he had to get into the school to give an account of what happened. So, he was brought in uh, in a taxi cab to the school. So, he was due to meet the uh, committee set up by the Ghana Education Service to investigate this matter to be able to testify and also give accounts of the incident, what he saw, and the kind of treatment he also got from the police officers who were deployed to maintain order during the protest by the students. So he came in, he was being assisted by some of the teachers to even climb to the top where the committee was seated or uh, was sitting. I'm at the main administration block of the school. Later, he was taken to the um, uh, um, a hall where you had these students who also suffered some injuries as a result of the alleged police brutality. And there, the committee members came to meet him. Uh, without any assistance, uh, uh, Kofi is not able to walk alone or uh, walk on his own. 
Uh, but before he says he was fit, uh, but because of the treatment, he said he suffered uh, in the hands of the police. Uh, it has affected his sight. He has to take off the bandage before he can see. Uh, so he's not able to walk properly. Uh, he he limps, and with a bandage covered all over his eyes, he's not able to even see. He has to be uh, given some assistance. Okay, so apart from the students and all the victims, the teachers who were speaking to, were management um, called to also give an account of what happened and what their position is on this matter? Well, even before, um, any time since the incident happened, any time a dignitary is in the school, they talk of the IGP, the Member of Parliament for Bantama, the Ashanti Regional Minister, and other um, stakeholders, whenever they come to the school, first they meet with the management of the school. That will always be closed door, and they gather the student body to address them and also meet these victims. So uh, management has also been given an account of all that has transpired uh, that resulted in the demonstration. And management has also been providing some evidence to the committee that came today in terms of documentation. They have issued letters concerning the uh, speed ramps, request for speed ramps at the Urban Road Directorate since 2010. And all their letters, they have written subsequently to the directorate. All the letters have not been attended to and uh, uh, that was why the matter got out of hand and students had to uh, pour onto the streets. And they have also given these copies of these letters to the uh, committee, which was in the school on a fact-finding mission. So just sum up what the chairman of the committee um, told journalists after their visit. Well, that was his concern. Mr. Kennedy Japan was not happy about the treatment uh, from the police officers to the students. He, he, in his own way, says the students were treated like armed robbers and the police hierarchy should train their officers on how to go about crowd controlling whenever they are going to control a crowd. Looking at the ages of these students, they could have used some better ways or options to maintain order, but they chose this way. And he says the actions of the police did not uh, fit well with their training. And he called for training for police officers usually deployed to maintain crowd and he went further to reveal documents uh, he got from the police uh, uh, the school's management on how the school's management has written to the urban road directorate and all the uh, letters have not been attended to so he, he was calling on the roads and highways minister to sack the ashanti regional urban road director who was there since 2021 before this period he also treated them like armed robbers, and you know, it was too much. They also exceeded their boundaries, and this should be a lesson to us that we take a cue from what has happened from these students' reaction and everything, so that next time when police are going out there 
their team core crowd control and the rest, they should still know the ages of the people that they are going to deal with. In fact, if you see the students that were hurt or injured, I mean, the police officers, no matter the reason, I think they went too far. You know, a girl that I sympathize with the most is the one who can't breathe appropriately because they hit her with the bat of the gun. That was too much for a girl, not even a boy. And for that matter, not a man or a woman. So I think I will not be here to condemn anybody, but I'll plead with the police high command that next time they should take the crowd control unit to training and let them exercise patience. I know at the gunpoint where a police officer get hit or when they are controlling crowd and the police officer get hit, they all get irritated and they take action. But these were students. And one of the police officers said, even when they saw some students holding cutlasses, but they went into the school. It means they were not going to use the cutlasses to harm anybody. That alone, right, right. I'm only saying that even if it is true, the person holding the cutlass, seeing the police officer runs away to campus. It means he was not going to use the aid. So for them to met out that uh, severe beatings and injured, that is not pro appropriate. Uh, you know, me, I don't mean this. I'll tell you like it is. We have evidence. I was not going to say anything, but when I saw the evidence, the evidence, the school has written to Ashanti Regional Urban Roads Director since 2010. The last one was September 2021, and nothing has been done. People are dying. People get injured. They damage to their cars, and all the letters paid no heed. I think somebody should be fired from there, honestly. If I'm a minister today, I'll fire the urban roads director. And you see, if they had complied or even paid attention to what the headmaster, the letters that is written so far, this thing wouldn't have happened. Students getting injured, police getting injured, all sorts of things. This wouldn't have happened. All right, so that was the chairman um, of the Defense and Interior Committee of Parliament, Kennedy Japan. Hafiz, are you still there? Yes, Zoe. Okay, so um, he's talking about what he expects to happen um, following his visit. Um, apart from the school um, they visited, did they move to other places? Because we know that this is a two-sided issue, the police and then students of the school. Did they visit the police? Yes, they visited the police. They met with the hierarchy of the uh, Ashanti Regional Police Command in a closed-door session uh, on on their mission. That details of that meeting was not uh, disclosed for uh, to journalists, but he was saying that this was part of the engagement they are going on with all the stakeholders and anybody who is concerned in this matter so that they can have the right information uh, to actually relay information to the Speaker of Parliament as part of 
uh, this. But before then, the ranking member uh, of the committee, James Agaga, also took turns to advise students, admonish them to try and be law-abiding because they are the future leaders. The MPs uh, are there and they would um, uh, retire and then these people would take their mantle. So while in school, they should take their studies serious, uh, seriously and then be law-abiding. Whenever they have any issue, they should address it to the appropriate quarters, talk of the SRC and also the authorities of the school. They shouldn't be taking the laws into their hands to go onto the streets to demonstrate. Okay, you so far you've mentioned the chairman and the ranking member. How uh, many people were uh, part of this this um, delegation that came to Kumasi today? Okay, so we had the uh, members of the committee. We have uh, Mr. Kofi Adams. We had the ranking member, who is Mr. James Agaga. We had um, Helen Tosso. We had, who is also a member of the committee, we had also um, the uh, member of parliament for Edouard Dumase, Mr. Bauer, uh, who is also part of the committee. And we have Yusuf Jaja, who is also a member of the committee. Uh, all of them uh, coming together as part of the committee members visited the school and also the police today. What of the urban roads or the, um, I mean, the ministry um, in Kumasi, the urban roads in Kumasi, did they also visit the, the, that place as well to also hear from them why they have not responded to calls to have a speed ramp there? No, they have not visited the urban roads. All right. Is there anything more um, you'd have to share with our listeners um, that you haven't captured? Well, for now, the uh, committee is set up by the Ghana Police Service and the committee set up by the Ghana Education Service are still continuing their investigations into this matter. And we are told that the report will be submitted to the Ghana Police Service, that is the IGP who taxed the committee to investigate this matter. And a report will also be submitted to the Minister of Education who also taxed this committee to investigate this matter on the part of the GES so that uh, they can take the appropriate actions. But for authorities and stakeholders who are visiting the school like the committee today, they are only hoping and praying that the committees that have been tasked to do this, when the reports are ready, they, the authorities that be will implement the reports so that the issue can have finality. All right, thank you very much, Hafiz, for that report there. Hafiz Tijani is our Shanti regional correspondent, and he was with um, a team from the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament today that visited the Islamic Senior High School in Kumasi. Let's just bring you um, one more story from the Ashanti region. Today, there was fire um, um, in Kumasi within the Kumasi Shoe Factory. Now, the Ashanti Regional Fire Command has directed a polytank producing company, which is located within the Kumasi Shoe Factory Enclave at Atunsu, to halt its operation until it meets fire safety requirements. This comes after fire gutted parts of the Kumasi Shoe Factory. The early intervention of fire fighters prevented it from spreading to other areas. The fire 
led to the destruction of a number of polytanks, vehicles and other equipment belonging to the company. That'll be all for this edition of Eyewitness News. We came to you live from our studio at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, Accra. Show produced by Fred Tetejabano and Bevlin London. With technical assistance from Daniels Kwashi. My name is Zoe Abubeiduado. Many thanks for joining us for this edition of Eyewitness News. City News, we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.